0: Hello there, you're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today we are speaking with Ken Fanger, president of On Technology Partners, who has more than 30 years experience in cybersecurity and information technology systems management and design. Ken helps companies design, plan for, and implement cybersecurity, disaster recovery, and business continuity systems. While his current focus is on the manufacturing sector, Ken has supported pharmaceutical, legal, medical, nonprofit, and government organizations to better understand their work process flow and develop strategies to meet their goals. He has an MBA in operations management and logistics from Michigan State University and is a certified cybersecurity maturity model registered practitioner. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, let's start with an overview of On Technology Partners. What's been the progression of your work with manufacturers, uh, especially in the last decade?
1: So, On Technology Partners started out as just your standard IT support company. But over the last six years, we've moved into really focusing in on the cybersecurity world, and especially in manufacturing. One of the big things with manufacturing is It's one, it's not their primary focus. It's not what they do. And so it tends to be forgotten and put in just after the fact type of situation. So we're helping to make it be a top of mind topic in ways that help them to one, be able to cost justify it because cybersecurity is not cheap. We all know the expenses and the effort and that feeling of if I'm spending money on cybersecurity, I'm not spending money on. Products. I'm not spending money on marketing. So how do I justify that change of cost? So we've been helping companies, especially manufacturers, to see where it relates to what they do day to day.
0: And you've worked with a wide range of clients. So do you see the manufacturer's needs as somewhat different than your, your other industry clients or even nonprofit?
1: Yeah. They, they the, the difference there is like a nonprofit from a manufacturer, a manufacturer's whole life is that line production output conversations. So I have a great story. When one of my technicians was out with a manufacturer, he was trying to convince them to do a backup. And he kept talking to them about their server needed a backup. And they kept saying, no. So I went in there and I had a conversation. I said, do you know that your inventory control system is on that server? Do you know that if that server was down, you would not be able to produce that day? They didn't realize it. They said, oh, we just thought that was a computer in the back room they had no idea how that was related to what they did operationally every day. Changing that conversation changed the value that they got from having their backup recovery, disaster recovery conversation. And I think that's one of the big things that we in cybersecurity need to remember is, it's not about the computers, it's about the daily operational performance.
0: Definitely about the applications. Uh, What are the most common problems companies have with instituting and managing cybersecurity policies and procedures?
1: So the first thing is buy-in. Um, when I used to work for a pharmaceutical company, the FDA required very complex passwords. Well, the human mind does not remember complex passwords. And so I remember before the FDA was coming in, I would have to go around weekly and i check underneath keyboards. Everybody's passwords were written down under their keyboards. They couldn't remember it. We had 15 or 20 different passwords. They were all 15 characters long with numbers and letters. and nobody remembered any single one of them. So, and that's one of the things I always talk about people is if cybersecurity is too onerous, people will find ways around it. People don't want to work to do cybersecurity. So you have to make it part of the culture and you have to make it reasonable within the structure that you're using.
0: What are the trends and issues you're witnessing now? I mean, um, I'm assuming that there is more urgency given the increased publicity of cybersecurity
1: breaches in the news. So a couple of trends have caused major increases especially in ransomware we've heard all the terrible ransomware attacks the worst part is it's much worse on the small and mid-sized customers than it is on the large customers um but they're not necessarily devastating costs they're 500 to eight thousand dollars but if you're paying out 500 and you do that six or seven times that starts to add up pretty quickly um and this working from home problem has really exaggerated the cyber attacks because our home computers are definitely not as secure as hopefully the business computers. Now there are some exceptions to that, but as a general rule, so they're starting to attack the home user and then using that as a way to get into the business's information systems. So that trend has caused people, and again, manufacturing tends to be behind the times in a lot of things. Um, One of the major issues that I've seen out there is old technology. Uh, If you happen to have heard, Outside of Cleveland, there was a school district that had gotten a ransomware attack that shut the entire school district down for five days. That ransomware attack's vulnerability had been patched a year earlier, but the school never patched a single one of their computers. So it ran rampant through the entire school. It shut down everything. Manufacturers have a lot of this type of same problem where they have old technology. We're working with a couple of clients right now that have technology they implemented 20 years ago, it's running on Windows 98 it is very open and susceptible to attack and nobody's updating it. So those are some of the big problems is manufacturers have a hard time keeping up with what's happening.
0: A lot of legacy machines out there, and I would say even older than the 20, 30 years you just quoted. So, um, you know, and and NIST does identify ransomware as the number one threat to small and mid-sized manufacturers. So uh, what are the most common types of security issues you're being asked to rectify?
1: So major issues are password management. You know, you want to make sure that you have the proper password control. Uh, One of the other things that we're doing are ransomware resistant systems. So we use what's called ransomware rollback. We use backups. Um, And let me take a minute here and talk about backups. If you have a backup system that is attached to your server all the time, it's probably not resistant to ransomware. So you need to look at how you're doing it. I've had a lot of clients where they thought they were protected because they were doing backups, they're doing them regularly but they actually still had them attached. And when the ransomware hit, it went out after everything. So we need to look at not just doing backups, which is good, but how do you protect those backups? Because the ransomwares have a vested interest in destroying your backups because they want you to pay the money. So if they can get to everything, they're gonna try and get to everything. So you need to think about that when you're doing it. And especially as you start to move to the cloud, you can send the ransomware through the cloud to other machines, which I had happen with another client that used Dropbox. And all of a sudden all eight of their connected computers all had the ransomware on it.
0: And I think that's one of the reasons why manufacturers are so reticent to use cloud computing. Uh, What would you say to assure them that there is a way to do that and and still maintain the security of of their their system and the operations?
1: The, the, The irony in being afraid to use the cloud computing is There's a lot of, unless you have spent a lot of money securing your local environment, you have the same vulnerabilities that a cloud company. Microsoft has billions of dollars they've thrown at security. You don't have the same type of money to throw at the security, and it's not what the manufacturers do. Um, I don't necessarily say cloud is good or bad. I think cloud is another solution that you have to evaluate with a decision basis. So taking them through what is the value, what are the dangers and costs, doing a risk assessment, and then seeing if it makes sense on a cost basis to move to the cloud. The nice thing about the cloud, if you do the right work, is it can take some of that security load off of you and put it onto somebody else. Uh, one of the things, and it's funny because a lot of my customers don't know this, cloud is basically renting somebody else's servers. So. There's no difference between your server and their server except for they probably have a lot more money hopefully protecting it but they have a lot more people trying to attack it so you have that dichotomy of where it seems safe but it's not safe so you have to take everything very seriously and look over the pros and cons as you go that makes sense um
0: you know and now we're moving toward um you know, digital integration due to industry 4.0 demands from, from, uh, you know, clients and, you know, what role should cybersecurity procedures play, you know, as a company is making that move toward, uh, these more advanced technologies and more advanced systems.
1: It's, it's great that you talked about that. And I just saw an article today from ZDNet that talks about the new IOT technology being built on older IP stacks and... That doesn't mean much to most people, but what it comes down to is, there's a lot of vulnerabilities in those older stacks that got upgraded, but it's easier to create these things in these older, more tested technologies. But when you put them out, like I was at a client just last week and they have a brand new kiosk system for weighing metal items that's built on a 98 operating system and they just bought it. So these Internet of Thing technologies can have a lot of security breaches and risks in them. So you have to build your environment to protect against that. But if you don't know it's there, you don't know to do that. You just hook it up to your system, you let it run. These are little computers, so they can get attacked like any other computer. You've heard about, I'm sure, where the refrigerator's camera, that was a smart refrigerator, got hacked by people and they could look into your kitchen. The IIoT technology is very similar. It unfortunately is, cybersecurity is an afterthought It's get to market quick, minimum viable product. Developers in the IT world have the same concept. They want to get their product out there as quickly as they can, see if anybody will buy it, and then they'll retrofit it later. Uh, The problem is you might be exposed during that retrofit period.
0: So you would say that the company really needs to be paying attention during the, the beginning of the purchase process?
1: Yes. And you want to find out, a question I always say is, Ask a company what is their cybersecurity policy and plan and, you know, get it in writing, have them commit to it so you know what you're getting because you don't want to find out that, oh, we never thought about security, now every single one of your devices is talking to it and they just shut you down. Um, one of my favorites that nobody thought about, there was a point where Xerox printers had a bug that was taken advantage of and people were putting in little attack codes that did denial of service attacks. With some of the older xerox copiers and nobody thought about it because you know it just copies things we have to think every intelligent device could turn into an attack i
0: think i heard something at one of the um conferences about a uh, about a, a smart toaster that was used in the break room so yeah, I mean, even to that point you just don't even think about it mm-hmm. um, yeah
1: it is crazy
0: and i should have asked you i mean, what uh i mean are there i mean you've been giving us some examples, but are is there anything uh, any remarkable case studies that you would like to share?
1: Well I mean I will I have a tale of two stories in ransomware and this is to help make sure that people understand the important value of taking it before it happens instead of after it happens. So we had two companies. one called us after they had gotten ransomware and they were actually a company that did backups regularly, but they never removed the backup from their server they had lost everything it took us almost eight weeks to get them back up and running and it was thousands of dollars and they were even willing to pay the ransom but the the ransom company that attacked never gave them a key they just took the money so and that's an important warning when you do ransomware we had another one that uses we use Datto as our backup solution that has ransomware resistant backups they got hit with ransomware we were able to get them back up and running within 15 minutes So that's the difference that I love to show between not being prepared, not having a ransomware resistant backup to being prepared and having a ransomware resistant backup. So it's important to remember that you need to plan for this before. I had a lawyer who always said, I always got called after they go to court, but if they had called me before, they'd have been much better off. That's very true in any type of cybersecurity. If you take the steps before, not after, you'll be in a stronger position.
0: Definitely adheres to that old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yes. <laughs> Do you, um, you know, we, I know we've been talking about uh, technologies and uh, adoption uh, of of these technologies. Um, however, you know, what at least we've learned is that uh, a, a lot of times that the, the technology adoption goes hand in hand with, a strong continuous improvement foundation or, or lean foundation. So, uh, have you found that companies that have instituted, uh, you know, a, a strong foundation can can better deal with cyber security attacks?
1: Yes, I think it's a definitely if you have a culture that is progressive and constantly improving as they go forward, people are used to that whole concept. And one of the things I always tell people in cybersecurity is it's about the people first. A lot of cybersecurity will keep throwing money and technology at the problem, but it is much easier to get your team trained and educated than it is to try and put more onerous technology on top of every solution because, and this is one thing that I'm sure all of us have seen, I know I've seen it is, the more technology to stop something that gets on top, the more people work to find a way around it to do their job. And so I love the idea of this culture of compliance, culture of security, You want to get people engaged very quickly in being part of this conversation. I did a uh, podcast with Westfield Bank, and one of the things that people realized was a quick phone call could save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. We had another client that got one of those email attacks. It came from what looked like one of their vendors, and it gave a bank account, and they transferred $100,000 to it. The problem was these are very busy people now they have a policy if they get a bank transfer request they make a quick phone call yes it does take two minutes but i think all of us agree two minutes to save a hundred thousand dollars well worth it um we, we have to start looking at the people more than just the technology instead of just throwing more money at the problem get some training and one of the things that we're actually kind of working on is this fun training idea i think we need to stop One of the things like CMMC requires that you have an annual training. But the truth is if you sit for eight hours in a cybersecurity training, you're gonna leave it with zero knowledge of what they just talked about. And I've watched this over and over. I've done these trainings. So we're working on putting it together to be these five minute quick little things. We actually have this thing we call CyberCat that tells you kind of what you should do in one step increments. Have secure passwords. Watch out for this in ransomware. It's a five minute thing. We're hoping to roll it out. But the whole idea is to, try to make this fun, make it something that the people want to engage with, because you got to get all the stakeholders involved. If the top management don't believe security is an issue, if the employees don't believe it's an issue, it'll never get to where it needs to be to protect your company.
0: Yeah, I think having it in those those five minute uh, you know, pieces of time would definitely be more retained than a whole eight hours. So yeah,
1: no, it's agreed. Yeah, I, I we were asked to do an eight-hour session on CMMC, and I told them nobody's going to remember a single thing I told you. It's it sounds great, we can do it, but it's really not helpful. All
0: right, so let's think a little bit uh, broader uh, with this next question. I wanted to ask, you know, if, if um, you know you're working with the NIST 100 171 cybersecurity requirements, if you uh, could have a 360-degree review of of NIST on this, you know what what they should emphasize? I mean, what would you recommend and what would help manufacturers the most?
1: That's a great question. And one of the things to remember, and when I talk to people about the new Cyber Maturity Model Certification, which is based off of the NIST 800-171 standard, is it's about the maturity concept. So up till now, it was more about getting through the check boxes. And that's great, but that doesn't really protect you. And I'll give you an example. I had a client out in um, New Jersey and they had self-certified as being DOD compliant. And I walked in and their server was sitting behind the receptionist desk right in the front lobby area. And I had said, isn't that your server? They said, well, yeah, we're supposed to put it somewhere. They had a plan of action that they were going to get to, but it had been three years and they didn't get to it. And so... One of the things with the NIST and the CMMC is you can't have these plan of actions. You can't promise to do it in the future. I call it the uh, wimpy. I'll take a hamburger. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. The problem is you never get to it because the next fire comes up before that becomes an issue. And it's not that they weren't trying to be cyber secure. It's that they had to be operational today. And so when you go through this process, you need to be thinking, this needs to be part of operational today. It can no longer be a promise for tomorrow. That's where we kept running into problems.
0: So is there anything differently that NIST could do to support manufacturers in this process?
1: Um, well, there's a lot of things. You know, One of the biggest problems that is going to come from this is the cost of doing this. Um, a certification is going to be somewhere between thirty dollars and $80,000. It lasts for three years. So you're going to have to figure out And that's not the cost to become ready for the certification. That's just for them to audit you, to see if you meet the certification. That's a crushing number for a one to a hundred million dollar small manufacturer to do every three years. Um, And their approach to solve this, which I think might be a little inappropriate, is a very heavy stick. It is three times the value of the contract if you fail to comply. I think they need to be looking more at How do you help people? I think we need to be working more on doing, like one of the things that I'm willing to do for different organizations is our training classes. So if there's agencies out there, just to help get people ready, to help talk about what should be done. You know, there's 131 different practices to be compliant with NIST uh, 8001s. That feels overwhelming. We need to make this smaller, more manageable so that companies can feel more capable to take that next step, getting in there. And I've handed that whole document to companies because they've asked for it, but it's overwhelming. The whole thing feels overwhelming. And so one of the things I'm trying to see is how can we make it simpler, easier, more direct and find wins, small wins lead to large wins. So there's a lot more of that. You know. NIST is going to be looking at what is the whole policy that they want you to get to. The problem is, and any certifying organization is always an overwhelmed feel. Start smaller, start simple. I love KISS. I wish we could, you know, I'm hoping the CMMC OB, AB will talk more on one-step solutions, starting small. NIST is always going to be NIST. Those, those standards are always going to be the standards. But the application to get there is where we can really help.
0: Well, I definitely hope that uh, that you move the needle on that one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so what uh, what's next for on technology? What what are you looking into um, in in the near future?
1: So we're we're actually really excited because the SBDC in Ohio has contracted us, so we're able to give away fifteen free hours of cybersecurity to any small business in Ohio. Um, This is a great opportunity. You know, we are not cheap. Cybersecurity people are not cheap. So this is 15 hours. It's almost $4,000 in value to help get you started. We're working with several companies right now. All you need to do is register with the SBDC out of Lorraine, and it's a great way to get started, and it doesn't cost you anything. I'm a big fan of starting small. I need people to trust me. I don't like, you know, if I come in, I don't want to sell you a $40,000 walk in the door conversation. Cause you don't know me yet. I want to get you to get comfortable with my team, get comfortable with how we work. And then we'll start to do the larger projects. I think it's kind of different than my competitors. They want to sell that big one because it's always about the sale. I was on the other end when I worked for companies, I always hated the people that would throw this Here's $200,000. We have to do this right now. And I didn't know them. I, I remember working and this is actually what kind of convinced me to go into being a consultant was we had a consultant that had come in to help us with an ERP system. And the consultant who was making $300 an hour back in 1990 was asking me basic questions about his system. And I was utterly shocked. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm here, I'm on salary. I'm working late to get you guys done. And you're asking me how to set up HP UX. It blew my mind but it's how it was out there. And since I had you had to buy the giant package, I had no choice at that point. I think this comfort is important to be able to move the needle for everybody.
0: Well, I will definitely put the link uh, for uh, the SBDC uh, on uh, the website. And uh, thank you so much, Ken, for coming on the show.
1: It was great to be here. Thank you.